gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friends, Facts, and Fiction. As always, this podcast is made possible by our local convenience stores, the misappropriation of history, and you. And now to your hosts, Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shellnut. What's up? What's happening, world? This is a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction, episode number 22, season three, uh, all about psychology. And today we're going to be talking about therapy. Um, I'm Justin Hammonds. I'm looking at my boy, Drew Sheldon. Hello. And my boy, Grant Bramlett. Uh, Howdy, howdy. And uh, yeah, we're here and we're blessed to have a uh, super dope guest, uh, Miss Jerry, uh, calling from Atlanta, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, you Mm want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, my name is Jerry Wheeler. I have a master's in counseling. So that makes me a therapist. Um, I practice out of Atlanta. I own my own business called Mindful Meetups. So, yeah. Right on. That's awesome. You just get off the kind of off the ground, right? Yes. Uh, I was working in um, a organization called Foundations Recovery Network before I decided to do my own thing and start my own kind of private practice thing so it's all new that's rad i feel you on that too starting up my own lawn care company it's the same right yeah it's horrifying it's the same, it's the same thing yeah, yeah. brains and grass that's oh, the same shit yeah <laughs> Similar, same field right? yeah, yeah you're right i figured so uh you spent like 20 grand a day didn't you no 10 <laughs> <laughs> I'm here dropping the bucket. I mean, yeah, this, this, you know, got deep pockets over here, huh? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I do not. That is borrowed money, my friend. <laughs> oh, all good, all good. Well, uh, we're thankful for you um, allowing us to invite you here and being here with us on this therapy episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into all those hot facts and such. Um, there's that and such thing again. I've mm-hmm. known that recently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but, but before we get into that, um, I think Grant has a song of the day of the week. It is my turn. Oh. And I don't know why. I just felt like drums. I wanted some 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 damn drums. You don't know why you felt you know like what drums. I mean? <laughs> well, you know, drums have kind of taken a little bit of a backseat <laughs> recently. So, yeah. but oh, okay. I guess last night was kind of inspiring. Uh, the little jam that keeps happening. At the lounge on Sunday nights, it's very cool. Come check it out. It is dope. Give us money. But the drummer, I mean, come and see the show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> both. Do both. Yeah, yeah. you can do both. <laughs> Get somebody that can do both. The house band drummer Jody, fucking awesome. Yeah, but Jody Oliver. Shouts out to the homie, man. He was going ham last night. Yeah, gave him a little drum solo moment. He was all over them drums. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's at, probably why. I think at Jody Oliver on Insta is the homie. Yeah. He's dope. Yeah. But anyways, I decided to go with a Steely Dan tune called Asia, which is the title track of the album Asia. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steely Dan. I think about like khaki and, shorts uh, and leather sandals. Yeah, I know, but they're so talented. <laughs> they're the nerdiest of nerds, but it's good music. Mm-hmm. It is good music. But this is the only drum solo they ever let a drummer take on their any studio version of any of their songs by a man named Steve Gadd. If you know drummers, Steve Gadd's one of the best, one of the most recorded drummers of all time. But this is him going ham. (laughs) 
love that outro. <laughs> you know, I was really listening to the, uh, the synthesizer there. It was uh, the central part, I think. Nope, you're wrong. <laughs> It's crazy how wrong you are. <laughs> yeah, I was really leaning on the synthesizer. It's nice. Smooth. Ugh. A little like stutter bit he does and then mm. launches into that full on just rip roaring mm-hmm. beat there. It's like a little tease. I love it. So. We can get into that. <laughs> we can be here all damn day if we get into that. All right. <laughs> Word. Well, um, you know. Um, Hope everybody's doing well out there. I hope you're having a uh, safe drive to or from work or a good shift at work or enjoying your shower or your bath time. We're doing this thing again, huh? Yeah. Okay, fine. I like to get, I like to get, I like to get close and personal with the listeners. <laughs> Let them know that I see them <laughs> and what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. We um, did pick up another uh, country on our listenership. Oh, that's, that's Ghana. great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shouts out to Ghana, man. Well, that's cool. So we have one listener in Ghana right now. Yeah, that's what's up, man. West Africa was cracking. Ghana's like the California of Africa, actually. Anyway, <laughs> good to know. Into that. But also, the world news is depressing. So if you're, if you're informed, hope you make a difference, as Drew would say. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, anybody, everybody good? We got any, any updates, any stories? No? Yeah, no. I don't think uh, nothing. The only topical things that have happened since last week are Haiti and. Yeah. The two tropical storms that are bashing it and the Florida panhandle. Mm-hmm. And prayers are for Haiti, man. And prayers are for Afghanistan, too. So it's a lot of, a lot of yeah. wild things going right. on. Oh, yeah, plus Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, stay informed, guys. And uh, make a difference. Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> so we're going to slide into these hot facts, I guess, to not get uh, too depressing before we get to talking about therapy. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> well, no, that makes sense. Like, bring them way down, yeah. and then we'll have a therapy episode. Yeah. Bring them back up. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, a free therapy session. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're going to let uh, let Grant give can the hot I, facts. Can, before, we, wait, before we start, can I ask who out of y'all has ever had therapy before, like has experienced therapy? I have. Um I briefly went to a therapist when my parents split when I was like six, six and a half or so. And um, after doing the research for this episode, I'm assuming was kind of like a creative arts style therapy. It's a lot of games, puzzles, drawing. And he just would casually, as I thought, casually talk to me. And Hobie was like, no, nah, he's good after like a couple of months of that. And then one session in high school and then... I've been going pretty regularly for the last almost year now, I think, which has been tremendous. Awesome. Honestly, can't recommend it enough. Nice. Yeah, I, I um, have gone through about three different therapy stints. Um, when I was in elementary school, I had to go to therapy at the, the school therapist, um, counselor, but she was a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go to her after the molestation and everything happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, they didn't know that but they did know that they could tell by the change in attitude my drawings and stuff that i don't remember yeah um and then i I did that for about three years in elementary school and then my mom made me go to a very religious uh therapist which incited a bit of resentment there um it didn't really help me out more it just pissed me off um because it was it was all based off of you know just religious doctrine and not trying to make me get better in a 
or help me realize what was going on. It was, look, this is what's wrong. Yeah. Lean on just, God. You know, just pray about it. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> and then the last one was when I went to mom again, um, sent me to Bradford because I failed a piss test for marijuana. Um, yeah, that's where my therapy came from. That, oh, yeah. oh, Bradford. That's, oh, yeah, I did that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah good, old, so, good old outpatient rehab yeah. for some legal yeah. issues. I forgot about there. that one. That was, that was that a was, fun uh, time. In but life. That, yeah, that was my last one. <laughs> yeah, that was my first and last, actually. Wait, you were, you were sent to outpatient rehab because of, um, because of you tested positive for marijuana? Oh, yeah. Mom wanted me to, uh, wanted to send me to inpatient. She wanted me to go to the, the big boy Bradford and wow. damn yeah damn. and they were like he doesn't need that and she was like yes he does that's insane I was like oh well appreciate oh. that yeah as someone who's worked in one of those that's that's probably got to be an interesting experience being with people in that and <laughs> being there for marijuana yeah that's really interesting yeah because it was literally I I jokingly when we would go around the the you know the circle of like hey my name's Bob and I'm an addict and I would just mm -hmm. say hey my name's Drew and I'm a reefer chiefer. <laughs> Wow. And I got in trouble. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, they, I would have hated uh, you. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> me and the uh, me, and, me and the counselor actually ended up getting along very well. I quit doing that because I knew that it wasn't benefiting any of the other people. Sure. For me to be dicking off in there. And she knew that I wasn't going to take anything away but education on how to get away with stuff. Yeah. And uh, that's all that's all I, I got took from that. But. Um, yeah, Pizza Party Wednesdays. That was about it. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, I was in the outpatient at Bradford for legal things, um, marijuana, and all and such. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I basically, um, I basically played the victim to get a lower uh, probation. <laughs> so therefore, I had to go to uh, ther therapy sessions at the outpatient and. Um, yeah, it was basically the same where I just go around. It's like, I'm Justin Hammonds and um, I, I smoke weed. And then, like, it would get like dark as shit because it's mm -hmm. like old truck drivers and fucking like people actually going through shit. And I'm like, this is a little extreme for uh, a marijuana charge, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it wouldn't, didn't really help me. It was more just like traumatic stories mm -hmm. for me to listen to yeah. for like two hours. But it's the only therapy I've ever had, which is probably an issue. But anyway. Mm -hmm. That's why I also okay. had to do that and completely <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah. That's how a little that impacted there. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we both want to forget about that year and a half of our lives. Yeah, it was kind of rough. Yeah, it was kind of fucked up. It was a dark place. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Thanks. Thank you for sharing. I'll give you back the floor. Just was interested to know before we start this. How about you? Have you ever been to therapy? <laughs> Actually... Yeah, well, of course. But I, um, fun fact, I went to school to become a therapist before I'd ever been a therapy ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I signed up to become a therapist and went through school. I, I started therapy mid-grad school, but I, like, had, I, I didn't even realize it until later on. I was like, wait, what are you doing? You don't even know what you're doing. You've never been to it before. What are you talking about? So, I mean, it all worked out. It was fine, but I just, that was kind of a revelation I had later down the line that I really never experienced therapy until after I signed up to become one. So that's interesting. Um, what, what was the impetus for like this track? I mean, clearly you're interested in psychology in general, but then at some point, right, you decided to take the turn towards therapy, like talk therapy, right? Yeah, I think I um, 
my personality and the role that I played in my family and in a lot of friendships and stuff was uh, that of a therapist in, in a way. Um, whether I was in, in my family role, it was more, I was very more of like, so there's a difference between counseling and therapy. Therapy is more leading the patient to the conclusion, whereas counseling is giving advice. And I was more of a counselor for my siblings being the oldest and in my family, whereas with my friends, I was more of a therapist. And like, you know, that's just how I exude. That's my love language is, is being there and listening and talking and that sort of thing and being vulnerable. So yeah. And then it evolved into, I'm good at this. I love this. Um, and then it, I always loved psychology and um, going to Georgia Tech all the nerdy science psychology classes weren't doing it for me. So I realized I needed something a little bit more interpersonal. So then that's kind of how that's what led me to therapy school or counseling school. Cool. So. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you. But therapy doesn't work. Therapy's not for me. It's for people with serious mental health issues. I'm jumping right in, by the way, guys. I picked up on that. Talking to someone about my problems won't help me. I can fix the problem myself. Once I start going to therapy, I'll have to go forever. Well, if you've thought this before when questioning therapy, you're so stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> And now we're going to be therapy for this. Okay, got it. Got some personality in the doc today, I see. The fear not. You're amongst many friends. Lots of people think that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I think we really are getting better, uh, like, public opinion about therapy. Right. seems to really be going. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's being advertised now. Like, it's literally being, like, on the radio, on TV. Well, I mean, and almost like I said in the last episode, like, I mean, this – the, the new generations coming up that are so much more socially active are so much more adept to, you know, depression and suicidal thoughts and stuff because of them not being them being able to be themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they will need therapy as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks to social media, it's kind of all kind of just pushing us towards yeah, right. And right. being so informed of global news and stuff, man, I mean, and then, you know, personal issues that never seem to go away. Yeah. But anyway, well, you know, I mean, like it's too, it's not necessarily just like if you're obviously if you are struggling with something, definitely go. But it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Yeah. There was an article I was reading a guy named Richard Tayete, I think, or Tate. I'm not sure. He's like the founder and CEO of some big company out in California. Um <laughs> Quoted big company. Uh, I didn't recognize it, so I just didn't put it in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but he said, not only do sex- successful people not fear therapy, they embrace it. Psychotherapy is a tool that creates success. Smart people use it. And therapy is not just something that smart people use. It's something that most everybody should probably try during at least some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Many of us grew up under the impression that internal stuff shouldn't be discussed. It should be swept under the rug. This is perhaps mm-hmm. the single worst thing you can do for yourself. Stamping down your emotions and not working through your psychological issues, especially serious pain or abuse in the past, can culminate in a host of problems. Depression alone is a major player in the global burden of disease, the leading cause of disability worldwide, and responsible for billions of dollars a year in lost work. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Marion Margulies, anybody? Margulies, 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 Margulies. Is a uh, PhD psychologist in New York and likes to think the beauty of talk therapy. 
Yeah, especially forms like psychodynamic therapy is that it addresses not just the symptoms, but also the causes of one's problems. Antidepressants, though essential for some people, don't exactly get to the underlying source. If you're not getting to the cause of the pain, she says, you're essentially chained to the past. Psychotherapy gets to Mm -hmm. the root. Right. Yeah, I can comment on that because we live in, I think our parents' generation and older, but probably closer to our parents' generation just because of technology and science and stuff. A lot of the psychological problems were just kind of, we dealt with the symptoms, right? Yeah. It was, here, take this drug and it'll mask, you know, your anxiety or it'll, you know, subdue your emotions. And, you know, they, I'm not saying anything wrong with psychological medicine, but it, it was treating the symptoms. And that's what psychological medicine does. And sometimes you need that to deal with the cause, right? You need to be able to subdue um, those things to be able to really get at what's going on. But at the end of the day, that is what it is. It's treating the symptoms. So right. I mean, um, that was really mainly what our parents generation and above, I feel like kind of did to deal with psychology and psychological problems. Yeah. I mean, way, way long time ago, we thought it was demons and then it was lock them in a room and then it was throw a bunch of pills at them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're finally getting somewhere pretty good. Yeah. Don't forget about the lobotomies and all that. Oh craziness. yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I almost said that a second ago. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget the lobotomies. That's insane. <laughs> but you know, the cool thing about uh, talk therapy is that it is long lasting because you're working through stuff that happened in the past and currently, but you're developing tools to help you deal with future stuff, you know, mm-hmm. learning from it. Yeah. So like these positive gains continue to grow over time as though some of the work gets further consolidated after therapy stops. It suggests that we continue to use the reflective lens in thinking about talking about and expressing feelings about our inner lives after we end treatment. The whole talking with the therapist process gets internalized so that self-therapy picks up where the actual therapy leaves off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> the getting to the cause aspect of therapy is a big reason why antidepressants and therapy together are believed to be the most effective. Psychological trauma or even general ennui can trigger physical symptoms and depression and anxiety are well known to have significant and sometimes debilitating physical effects. Going to therapy, assuming it's successful, can help these issues fade away. She also said there's been some studies that show that many physical ailments are ameliorated when someone engages in therapy. When people do not express feelings but swallow them and keep them buried and out of conscious awareness, one bo- one's body often reacts, somatizing via stomach aches, headaches, sleeping problems, ulcers, just some of the ways that your body reacts to stress and psychological pain. The most serious drawback of not talking about things may be that unexpressed feelings and traumas can pile up and explode later on. Lots of people avoid talking about their feelings about a whole host of things, but repressing or damping down one's feelings doesn't make them go away. If anything, they linger and fester, Mm. only to explode when an innocuous comment is made. Even if you don't have a full-on breakdown later on, not fully processing events and emotions often creates a negative thought pattern that can inform every area in your life, your relationships with your friends, spouse, parents, kids, coworkers, Mm -hmm. yourself. So learning how to process them can change how you maneuver in many different ways. For sure. 
Yeah, but the way that kind of works and the way that I explain it to some of my clients is what's going on is things that you've experienced that are really traumatic that you haven't processed. It's still in your frontal cortex. So essentially, you're still living them, right? They're still it's in your working memory as opposed to like your past memory. Um and so you're from time to time, um, your brain is quite literally like thinking it's going through that trauma again and again and again, because it has not pushed it towards that already happened and it's over because you haven't processed it. That's insane. Yeah, that, that, is, that is wild. <laughs> and I, I'm, not, I'm not using all the right scientific words, but yes, <laughs> it, is, it is insane. <laughs> you, you put cortex in there. I think that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that made it deep right there. <laughs> that word alone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jesus. Um, another benefit of therapy is that it not only helps you understand yourself better, but helps you understand other people. When we hold negative thoughts in without processing them, they become ingrained so that we see the world through that lens. And we make lots of assumptions that may or may not be true. In my work with people in psychoanalytically oriented therapy, says Margulis, is that what we Margulis. Yeah, cool. They come to see how they often make assumptions about what the other person intended. Then when they actually do a reality check by asking a friend what they were thinking when they said something, they are often to surprised to hear that they had a totally different take. Yeah, I was that way until about a year ago. Sure. Like just completely, you know, preconceived notions of whoever you are by just the way that you presented yourself in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And that had to do with my own bullshit, you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's probably going to be something that we might cover a little later on with our shit-tinted glasses For episode, sure. you know. Um, mm-hmm. Just that notion of... <laughs> Like you have all these burdens and and everything like swirling around up in your head that's entirely you, entirely internalized, Mm -hmm. but it still filters how you perceive everyone and everything around around you. you. And then that approaching everything around you very negatively, you're going to naturally get a negative response. And it's just that Mm self-perpetuating cycle. Like an addiction. Kind of, yeah. You attract what you radiate, my guy. Yeah. I mean, and that makes a lot of sense, Drew, because, uh, like, <laughs> I mean, you were so vulnerable. Um, you caught me off guard about how vulnerable you were about um, therapy and, you know, your trauma from your childhood. Yeah. And when you were, when someone's abused at that age, um, you really learn to not trust anyone, right? So yeah. that is that is the best thing that your brain can do for you. Um, is to protect itself and you being like, okay, I don't trust anybody. I need to size everyone up. I need to judge everybody because that's how I protect myself and know I'm not going to get hurt again. Yeah. Um, and that makes complete sense. Like, and that's the type of thing that you have to kind of dig through and understand in therapy and see how it presents. And, you know, that, that is such a common thing. It's different shapes and sizes for every person, but that is just a real example with, Thank you for your vulnerability. I mean, that yeah. that just is a straight to the point example. Well, I mean, that's that's honestly what, like I said about a year ago. I mean, it's when we started the podcast is honestly when I stopped mm-hmm. just being so, mm-hmm. you know, just looking through judgy glasses, you know, mm-hmm. or that, like I said, preconceived mm-hmm. notion, because this has been therapeutic for me. Uh, because they're yeah. three of right. us, my guy. Right. That's kind of where we started. It was yeah. just like we need to do something. I mean, we were yeah. When we started it, I was <laughs> I was in a, like uh, going through like a handle a day, um, mm-hmm. 
yeah. and yeah, crying myself days. to sleep every night kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Wondering what the yeah. fuck was wrong with the world. Why was, I mean, because of not just, you know, COVID, but mainly because of the political landscape last year. Oh, yeah. That shit was rough. And that. It's still rough. That really showed me, like, whoa, man. Yeah. What the fuck, guys? Like, let's yeah. just fucking, this whole, to take it to a political, you know, lineage, bipartisanship needs to happen for democracy to work. Yeah. Can't just be a bunch of people or one side against the other. Exactly, and then yeah. every four years or eight years it swaps. Right. Because that's affecting the psychology of the, the, the nation, you know. Oh, yeah. And last year really did a fucking number. Yeah, I mean, we're getting whiplashed, you know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, when I first started, like, therapy, you know, most recently as an adult, it was mostly for my drinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ask they're asking the same, uh, those kinds of leading questions and stuff, you know. And mm -hmm. it's, it was, I was basically blaming the state of the world. Right. You know, and that was more my, like, projecting my mm -hmm. own inner issues yep. out mm -hmm. on it you know it's still fucked up out there but oh, yeah. i feel like i'm viewing it in a much more realistic and healthy way now right you know so it it bothers me less so yay yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's something about like especially when our trauma has to do with a lot of our trauma has to do with control i talk about control so much with my clients and in, in in my own head <laughs> um because that's such a thing right now it's so evident how little control we have over like politics and the state of the world and with covid and all this and it's just it's just like very blaringly obvious that we have so little control over things and that has really perpetuated a lot for so many people, whether it's addiction and other things, because it's the reminder of the other things that they can't control um, or the things in the past that they wanted to control and couldn't, um, whether it be abuse, trauma or, you know, family life, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, I think that all of those things are really connected, but it's kind of those themes inside of our current political climate or the state of the world or whatnot that really we take on personally whether we know it or not that's where kind of the work is and the, the therapy comes into play is realizing that those things are somewhat connected uh as much as you know it's kind of a dig to get there but sure. I, I really do believe that they are absolutely for sure <laughs> something else <laughs> on a more like, like very like uh just like a almost more like simplistic kind of way i mean seeing someone um like once a week or you know however long that is recommended or whatever you decide to do it's it's like this built-in support system you know it's like something that you can kind of rely on like you have these issues that pop up over the course of the week and then you say, well, I can talk about that a little later on. I have someone to talk to about mm -hmm. that. You know, I'll have someone that can help me, you know, deal with this or whatever because, like, something bad is always going to happen to you, oh, to yeah. people around you that you care about. That's, that's just life, bro. It's fucking life, yep. you know what I mean? And, you know, just having that um, is really good. But also that idea of taking action over your life and say like i'm doing something to help myself it is mm -hmm. sometimes enough of a push to get you mm -hmm. out of whatever that you know rut or issue may be you know um which i personally was self-medicating you know to to deal with uh, a lot of stuff 
Uh, and that's why I ended up going because it became an active addiction, right? The the alcohols and um, it was just masking it and you know causing it to just slowly get worse without me realizing it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then the alcohol, <laughs> of course, slowly got more and worse, if you will. That slippery slope without realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um yeah. It's good. It's a good thing to do, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, did Jerry, did you want to hit on anything before I go into the history of therapy and true friends, facts, and fiction way? Um, no, go ahead. I will chime in when I, I have a lot to say, but I will let you go ahead and dig into that so we can. Uh, I'm excited to hear about some of the counseling theories you want to talk about. So, okay, cool. I won't stop you. <laughs> well, I'll try and be brief with this. Obviously, it's like very dense. That could easily be three episodes on its own. But um, a lot of people think it started in 1879. Wilhelm Wundt, if you guys remember that dude mm-hmm. that we talked about. He had the, the clingy ball machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit was wild. <laughs> and, um, but <laughs> before that, um, and I'll just kind of focus on like Western, but. Uh, it was like religious, magical, or, um, you know, a little bit later on medical. So just like literally dissecting the brain physically to try and figure out what the hell's going on in there. Um, But purposeful, theoretically based psychotherapy was probably developed in the Middle East during the ninth century by the Persian physician and psychological thinker, Razes, who was at one time the chief physician physician of the Baghdad by Maristan. But in the West, it was seen as demons and um, uh, any like uh, medical conditions requiring punishment or confinement until the advent of moral treatment approached in the 18th century. This brought about a focus on the possibility of psychosocial intervention, including reasoning, moral encouragement, and group activities to rehabilitate the insane. There was also phrenology, which we've talked about way too much, physiognomy, and that's like the shape of the face. And we talked about Darwin almost didn't go on his his boat ride that changed the world because his (laughs) nose was the wrong shape. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. And then uh, Mesmer, who I mentioned a a long time ago in this season. Yeah, with his robes and magnets, you know. Mm -hmm. That that dude was cool (laughs) as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, I love that guy. He was awesome. But um, spiritualism and Phineas Quimby's mental healing technique that was very like the modern concept of positive visualization were also popular in the 19th century. While the scientific community eventually came to reject all these methods, academic psychologists were also not concerned with serious forms of mental illness. The, uh, you, said, you said Phineas, and I thought about the cartoon. Don't. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I completely missed that last sentence after I was like, Phineas and Frank. Because that area is already being addressed by the fields of psychiatry and neurology. Um, within the uh, asylum movement and the use of moral therapy. What until the end of the 19th century, around the time when Freud was first developing his talking cure in Vienna, that the first scientifically clinical application of psychology began at the University of Pennsylvania mm. to help children with learning disabilities. Look at that. 
Yeah. Although clinical psychologists originally focused on psychological assessment, the practice of psychotherapy, once the sole domain of psychiatrists, became integrated into the profession after the Second World War. Soon afterwards, theorists such as Alfred Adler and Carl Jung began to introduce new concepts about psychological functioning and change. These and many other theorists helped to develop the general orientation now called psychodynamic therapy. In the 1920s, behaviorism became the dominant paradigm and remained so until the 50s. Behaviorism used techniques based on theories of operant conditioning, classical conditioning, and social learning theory. Major contributors included Joseph Welp, Hans Eisenk, B.F. Skinner. Because behaviorism denied or ignored internal mental activity, this period represents a general slowing of advancement within the field of psychotherapy. Look at that. Starting in the 1950s, two main orientations evolved independently in response to behaviorism, cognitivism and existential humanistic therapy. The humanistic movement largely developed from both the existential theories of writers like Rollo May and Viktor Frankl and the Pearson-centered psychotherapy of Carl Rogers. These orientations all focused less on the unconscious and more on promoting positive, holistic change through the development of a supportive, genuine, and empathetic therapeutic relationship. During the 50s, uh, Albert Ellis developed the first form of cognitive behavioral therapy, which he called rational emotive behavioral therapy. And a few years later, Aaron T. Beck developed cognitive therapy. Both of these included therapy aimed at changing a person's beliefs by contrast with the insight-based approach of psychodynamic therapies or the newer relational approach of humanistic therapies. Cognitive and behavioral approaches were combined during the 70s, resulting in cognitive behavioral therapy, which a lot of us probably know about. Yeah, this is like this era that you're talking about right now is like when it became like so much less about this is who you are as a human. Um, And this is and, and it's more about like, this is what your story is and what you've experienced. And we can take back control. Like with Freud and even like Adler, who I love Adler because he's all about like birth order and childhood and stuff like that. But it's a lot of, oh, you were born first. So this is your traits and your middle child. So this is your traits. Or Freud's like, oh, you're two. This is how you predict you are. Oh, you're right. four. This is what you're obsessed with. Whereas like this, this like new age stuff, um, not new age, but the, as therapy began to develop, it became more about What's your story? What are your struggles? What happened to you? Um, That sort of a thing. And how do we take control back? How do we, you know, predict the things that are going on in your head and and kind of own them? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I feel like it's sort of a combination of like approaching patients as individuals mixed with the idea that to me is a lot more positive, a lot more uplifting of you can change, like you can get better. Not that idea of, 
well, this is just the way you this, are. This is you because of right. X, Y, or Z. The the month you were born in, or um, you know, <laughs> if you have an older brother or a younger brother, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, okay, let's let's not lump astrology and psychology, it, please, God. Please don't do that to me today. <laughs> that's, that's his favorite. That wasn't necessarily my intention, <laughs> just more so like oh, the, man. you know, I, I feel like I started to uh, address the idea that it's it's potentially dangerous to label someone. And if you. Well, it takes a, it's belittling, right? You're yeah. taking away from their story. You're like, this, no, 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 no. You're going to you're in the anal phase and you're going to be obsessed with that right now. So that sucks for you. That's just how it is. And there's no, nothing else. I mean, right. I'm using a silly example, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I figured saying. everyone would giggle at that. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was, I just I was, later. I was, I I was more. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a few of us are still obsessed with the anal stage, you know. <laughs> well, right? I mean, you know, it's a uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What year is that? Three, four? Uh-huh. What is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds it's, about right. I think it's like around potty training time. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But no, it was funny because you said anal stage, and they both looked at each other like, "Should we laugh? Can we laugh?" And also, yeah. I didn't. I also no, didn't. I knew what I was happening. I also so didn't real. Like I thought that you may be saying some kind of technical term or something that I didn't know. I was like, maybe anal, anal, anal. I don't like. I don't know. I don't think she's talking about butts. Is that? I let it just chill. Men mature more slowly than women. We'll just leave it at that. Yes, uh, we sure. do. <laughs> without, without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> Mentally and physically, yes. Yes. Wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, since 1993, the American Psychological Association Division 12 Task Force has created and revised a list of empirically supported psychological treatments for specific disorders. The Division 12 standards are based on seven essential criteria for research quality, such as randomization, the use of validated psychological assessments, etc. In general, cognitive behavioral treatments for psychological disorders have received greater support than other psychotherapeutic approaches. Passionate debate among clinical scientists and practitioners about the superiority of evidence-based practices is ongoing, and some have presented correlational data that indicate that most of the major therapies are about of equal effectiveness and that the therapist, client, and therapeutic alliance account for a large portion of client improvement from psychotherapy. While many PhD training... Oh, sorry, go ahead. That's a point. I, I, that's the point I wanted to make. I know I, yeah, the whole idea that there's all these counseling theories, all these different things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's scientifically proven that the most important piece of therapy is the therapeutic alliance, which is the relationship between the therapist and the client. Um, if that the client has positive has a positive regard and has a positive experience with the therapist and feels heard seen provided for or taken care of that's where the work is regardless of what theory is going on um so that's just an important piece yeah and i, I think and please correct me but i feel like taking that approach you can then learn all these different uh types of therapy and just kind of blend them together and mold them to fit 
that particular client, you know, kind of based off of what they respond positively to, what you're comfortable with as a therapist, and, you know, more or less what works for the two of you, right? Right. Yeah. I, I think that it's it's very few and far between when you that's not the right way to use that today saying, but it's it's rare to find a therapist that only uses one theory. Uh, a lot of it's there's a, usually a mixed method approach where right. all a bunch of therapists. I mean, there are certain theories that I don't really prescribe to not that I don't believe in them, but it's not my style or that's not something I would want to be done on me <laughs> in a sense, sure. or I, I don't relate to that as much. Um, there's also therapies that re require very specific trainings and all that. But yes, at the end of the day, um, most therapists are using kind of their, their approach, um, in a mixed method way. It's funny. The, um, you said therapeutic alliance, is that what you said? Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's in, in your explanation of that. It's kind of the way, and this might sound silly and asinine, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the way I went about being a salesman when I was selling vacuum cleaners. I would walk okay. into somebody's house and I would look around, oh, yeah. see what I might be able to just change myself to relate to them to. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. helped me make money and helped yeah. them. I, I did the same. We worked for the yeah, same no. company. Uh, you're, no. just, you're just separated between those. But yeah, we yeah. worked for the same company. No, but I mean, that's what I mean. Like it. <laughs> to kind of, well, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's relative to that. I mean, that's what it made me think of. It's just being able to relate to different people mm -hmm. in different ways individually that mutually yeah. benefit you. Yeah, and absolutely. And there are going to be people's houses that you walk into that you are like, I can't relate to any of this. Oh, or yeah. I have no idea what's going on oh, in yeah. here, which is the same thing for me. Like I'm going to, there are going to be clients that I don't recommend I work with because I have so little understanding of what's going on with them or have, I'm so outside of the scope of the reality that they are existing in. Um, not in a bad way, but because our lives just, you know, I, I am a human being and I am working with other human beings. That's just how it works. It's very complicated. It's almost like dating sometimes. Um, how like you really have to search around for a therapist sometimes and making sure you feel like the personalities fit and, um, you know, there's a sink in a sense, uh, so that you feel heard and that they can relate and that they're understanding what you're saying. It's, it's complicated sometimes. It's not as easy as it looks. Sure. I mean, there's gotta be some chemistry in a sense. Right. Sure. And that's not necessarily something you can like plan for or necessarily fix or, or even force. manipulate. Yeah. yeah, or manipulate. Force. yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. Right. And it's, that's a lot of the reason why people a lot of the times will get, especially when it comes to, you know, like, like there's a lot of people who come to the United States and are looking for a therapist because of cultural differences and, and all of the stress and anxiety from that, or whether it's a racial difference or a, even a gender difference. There's a lot of things that certain people just simply can't understand because they've never been through it. And that is something to definitely take into kind of consideration when you're, you know, not only when you're a therapist, but when you are a client. For sure. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, which kind of a random thought. What what is that uh newer they're advertising for it a lot right now. Uh, oh crap. <laughs> it's like basically an app, I think, where you can 
supposed to be a lot oh, yeah. cheaper, a lot easier. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've seen it advertised on um, like. Pluto oh, there's a few of them. Like, yeah, there's like, there's like Talkspace or Headspace, Cerebral. Yeah. There's a few of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, first off, what do you think about those? Like. <laughs> Well, they're taking away business from me, so I hate them. I'm just kidding. Ah, gotcha. um, <laughs> I, well, I talked recently had a conversation with someone about this who was looking for a therapist, a friend of mine, and he was telling me that he was interested in doing that. And I kind of asked him about what the layout was, because I don't know a ton about it, but essentially you can sign up for having a, like a text relationship with your therapist mm-hmm. where you... You just talk over text and maybe you have a phone call here and there or whatnot. And and it's more of a acute problem, it seems like, right? So people who are struggling with um, more acute problems, like some days you wake, like whether it's, I'm not going to name diagnoses, but whether you're struggling with things that affect you one day and not the next, or every hour is a different hour for you, Um or, you know, like this would be helpful potentially with addiction and that sort of a thing where you're kind of in the sense like you don't have a sponsor, but you you feel like picking up a drink and you need to talk to somebody about it. Like that is kind of the vibe I get from these apps. It's it's kind of an on-call therapist. You need someone to talk to and that sort of a thing. Whereas developing a relationship with that person um, for a long period of time over time seems less likely with those apps. It seems like more of like a, I need to talk to somebody now and I'll develop a relationship with you while I'm on this app, but, but it's not going to be this long lasting thing. It's more of a, I need help right in this moment. What, what should I do? Or I need to talk to somebody. So I, I think for that thing, that, that type of a, whether someone's dealing with like suicidal thoughts or, um, can't get out of bed in the morning, stuff like that. I think that's great. And I think that it, it's really not that cheap to also, <laughs> um, it's, it's not the cheapest thing ever either. I think therapy is really not like if you get an individual therapist and you do your homework, it's not that much more expensive. Um, and you don't have to go to therapy every week. You can do it every other week, but mm-hmm. I think it's, it's one of those things where, what are, what are your needs? Um, so I don't really have anything like for or against it, but if you're looking to have kind of that relationship with a therapist who really gets to know you and helps you on on the deepest level possible in that type of relationship, uh, it's probably not going to come from one of those apps. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say ain't none of my problems cute. <laughs> I'm cute. I'm cute. I'm no, cute. I know. I'm, I know. Cute. I'm just fucking. Okay. I, I, knew, cute. I knew that was coming when she said it. You looked at me and I was like, he's going to see. He's going uh, to do that. He's going to do that. I'm done. Okay. Thanks for calling in. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> oh, my so, so, sorry, Drew I'm, broke the podcast. I knew, I knew it was coming. I felt it. <laughs> oh, shit. That is, that is interesting. I mean, you know, uh, there's a few things that seems to hold some people back, like cost. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like a big step to try and like track down a therapist and then, oh, shit, this isn't working with this one. I guess I'm not good at this or, you know, I, I'm too broken to be therapized. <laughs> Um, you know, so the aspect of trying to find a good fit for you may seem daunting. Um, and then, you know, I mean, shit, certain logistical things just kind of weigh me down. Like 
say I had health insurance. I don't, but say I did. Mm -hmm. And then you like look through your health insurance provider to find a list of therapists that they will cover. Just that little act alone would just be like, "Eh, I'll do that tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess if you're trying to take an initial step towards that direction, texting a professional seems like a good way to start. And maybe that an individual could realize that uh, this isn't quite enough or not exactly what I'm looking for, but I do like this type of interaction. Yeah. Maybe then they will try and go to a talk like therapist. Testing the water for you dive in. Yeah. Kind of do. Which, you know, I see some validity in that. Yeah. Better help. Oh, absolutely. Better help. That's what I was trying to think yeah. of specifically. Better help is one of them yes, for sure. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, it's it's a, absolutely better than nothing. Well, absolutely. The same Hell yes. And they advertise that on <laughs> the same podcast we listen to. Uh, yeah. No, we don't have similar um, tastes and things. Um, so let's jump into some types of therapy. The one we mentioned before, cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is a short-term form of psychotherapy directed at present-time issues and based on the idea that the way an individual thinks and feels affects the way they behave. The focus is on problem solving, and the goal is to change clients' thought pattern in order to change their responses to difficult situations. A CBT approach can be applied to a wide range of mental issues and conditions. So you first learn to identify painful and upsetting thoughts you have about current problems and to determine whether or not these thoughts are realistic. If these thoughts are deemed unrealistic, you will learn skills that will help you change your thinking patterns so that they are more accurate with respect to a given situation. Once your perspective is more realistic, the therapist can help you determine appropriate course of action. You'll probably get homework, like Jerry's mentioned a couple of times, to do between sessions. That work may include exercises that will help you learn to apply the skills and solutions you come up with in therapy and the way you think and act in your day-to-day life. Yeah, the main kind of concept is like a, I actually talked about this today on my Instagram, but the, the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are all connected. So it's kind of this idea that the things that you do affect how you feel, affect how you think, and it can start from anywhere, right? I feel really bad that therefore I behave in ways that are negative and my thoughts are bad or my thoughts are bad. And so I start feeling bad. And I use the example of, um, what did I use the example of, of, I started with a behavior. So I always get into like, this is hypothetical. I I always get into relationships with people who um, don't appreciate me. Therefore uh, in doing that, I think that I have low self or I have low self worth. And I think that things are never going to get better. And I think that all men treat me horribly. And therefore I feel disappointed, hopeless, angry, depressed, anxious, whatever. And all of these things, that's just one example, but the idea is learning those patterns um, and trying to pinpoint those things down and learning how to rewrite those patterns and understanding what's kind of creating that pattern um, inside of you. Right. And then say, what would homework look like for that person, I guess? There is literally 5 million different types of like CBT workbook things. Um, 
I oh mean, I could literally pull it out right now, but a lot of it has to do with it. It seems like it's kind of the type of homework that CBT is. It seems so silly and simple, but it's so real. So it'll be like today I woke up and my first thought was this. And then I did this. And I mean, I'm giving a really horrible example, but the idea is really trying to dig into the very nitty gritty pieces of your everyday thoughts. You know, like, why am I, because people who struggle with depression or anxiety, their thought patterns are probably always in a certain arena. And so really try to pinpoint where that's happening and understanding, well, what if I thought about it this way? Or what, what's causing me to think about it this way and not that way? Um, it's kind of rationalizing with yourself in a sense. Right. Hmm. Very cool. Very good. <laughs> it's probably like the most common, like you said earlier, the most common type of therapy because it's very hands-on. It's very well-researched. It has a lot of um, evidence that this type of therapy does a lot of wonders for people. It changes. It, there's like tangible change that has been recorded from CBT, um, which it's pretty hard to create tangible results um, from therapy research. It's just because it's such a... You know, it's hard. It's not like a physical thing. <laughs> yeah. No. So it's harder. Um, but, but yeah, there's a lot of research on CBT and its effects and it's very well researched. So most therapists are going to either focus on CBT or definitely integrate this in their own way inside of therapy. Right. Uh, another one that s feels similar to CBT to me, but by the way, it was referred to as reality therapy, developed by William Glasser in the 50s. He, he based it off of Adler, who we mentioned earlier. Um, it was his ideas about the social context of human behavior and is based on choice theory, which focuses on the power of individuals to control their behaviors. Um, while not all aspects of life are within our power to change, human beings are always faced with opportunities to respond rationally or responsibly, responsibly or not. Reality therapy helps clients to establish greater control over their lives while enhancing the ability to build meaningful and effective relationships. Uh, it's a present-day, non-symptom-focused approach in which the counselor takes on a friendly, positive, and non-judgmental stance. Uh, it also promotes individual responsibility for actions while helping clients make decisions that are in line with the visions they have for their lives. Reality therapy is a client-centered form of cognitive behavioral psychotherapy. Okay, so it is very similar. That focuses on improving present relationships and circumstances while avoiding discussion of past events. This approach is based on the idea that our most important need is to be loved, to feel that we belong, and that all other basic needs can be satisfied only by building strong connections with others. It teaches that while we cannot control how we feel, we can control how we think and behave. So the goal is to help people take control of improving their own lives by learning to make better choices. Look at that. I like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, reality therapy is like, it's kind of like an umbrella for a lot of different, like very specific types of therapy. Okay. Which is why, like, it's, yeah, it's like basically because Adler, Adler really looked at, and I love Adler because he's all about childhood and I love childhood. Um, 
he's all about your past and your daddy issues and all that um mm-hmm. and your birth order and stuff like that so he wants to dig into that dynamic whereas you know like glasser is a little bit different but at the end of the day what it's looking at is you know what are the facts of your life what it what have what's going on um and then and how has that affected your thinking and how do we really dig into that? Um, so like, what is your reality <laughs> is to put it very simply. Yeah. Um, so. And it helps you with your friends <laughs> and it helps you dispel <laughs> fictions. Huh? Huh? Oh, hey. huh? well, anybody? Was that, was that the thing where you say the title in the, in the <laughs> episode? <laughs> cool. Nice. Yeah, so dumb. Um, <laughs> moving on. Take Gestalt therapy moment is a <laughs> client. <laughs> Take your face off. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, Nick Cage is the greatest. <laughs> Quote me on that. <laughs> uh, Gestalt therapy is a client-centered approach to psychotherapy that helps clients focus on the present and understand what is really happening in their lives right now, rather than what they may perceive to be happening based on past experience. Instead of simply talking about past situations, clients are encouraged to experience them, perhaps through reenactment. Though the Gestalt process, uh, client oh, through it, clients learn to become more aware of how their own negative thought patterns and behaviors are blocking true self-awareness and making them unhappy. Interesting. This is like the most fascinating therapy to me. Um, because there was a, when I was in school taking the class that taught me all the things we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, there's a very famous, if anybody who's listening to this is a therapist, they know this video, but it's a video where this woman named Gloria, I don't even know when it was. It was like back in the seventies or something. Um, she saw three different, very famous therapists. So one of them was the, um, Fritz, is it Fritz? Is that his name? I think so. Who yeah. created Gestalt therapy? He was one of the three therapists um, that basically had 30 minutes with her and it was taped. And she went to all three therapists and she uh, basically got, after going to the other two therapists who were very person centered and like kind and like wanted to understand her and be there for her, and this Fritz was <laughs> straight up almost an asshole to her. Because the idea, like the word gestalt means whole. Mm -hmm. And so she would be talking to him about something that was wrong with her life. And then she would start giggling. And he would be like, why are you giggling? You're saying something's wrong. Like, this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like, and he would nitpick every, well, why are you like, you don't look comfortable, but you're saying you're comfortable. This doesn't make it. So the idea is to be in the present moment. And when the person is not a whole being or they are kind of contradicting themselves in that moment, no matter what you're talking about, that's what the therapy is. It's very, very like centered on the moment you're in. And it's, it's, it, it sounds like when you listen to someone who's only a gestalt therapist, it sounds like they're almost like harassing the, the client. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because it's like, well, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. Or like this, this doesn't line up or it's just a lot of almost interrogation, but it really points out the discrepancies in this person's, point of view or what they're saying and how they're physically acting or how their tone of voice is or how, you know, they're describing it, whatever it is. Right. And it's very fascinating. Um, 
but yeah, it definitely seems like an interrogation um, when you watch that video. So That's crazy. I mean, I can see how that would be beneficial though, because I know that, you know, I mean, everybody reacts to different everything, but I could see how that could be kind of similar to um, maybe a, a hard ass teacher that you had in school or, Mm-hmm. one of your family members who's always or one of your friends who's always going to be the person that's check not gonna ass. that's that's always going to check you <laughs> check your ass you know right. yeah, yeah. at the door so i mean i could see that being very beneficial actually yeah, it's like my uh yeah it's like someone who doesn't school. put up with bullshit they're yeah. calling them out yeah just like let's cut but the it, shit and get down to the you know yeah nitty-gritty it's what? funny because it was just like very i mean this woman was like small and like this man was not small. Like he was like a, he's like a pretty, I mean, he's not huge, but he was like a bigger guy. He was like deep voice. Um, it was kind of like, it was super uncomfortable to watch. And then, and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is in my therapy class. I'm never going to do this to a client. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, and then, um, she had to choose at the end. She had all three therapists, um, and had to choose, I guess they were doctors. I shouldn't call them therapists. Um, and, she chose him to have another session with of all three people. Humbling there. Which I was like, this is fascinating <laughs> that she wanted more of this. Like, I, I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. But sure. Um, yeah. I mean. So interesting. Even though it's like probably, well, shit, uh, some of the most ultimately beneficial things that have happened to me. In, in real life or in sessions uh, with a therapist is been things that are difficult to hear things i don't want to mm-hmm. get at you know what i mean it's because and that's the, i guess that makes sense of the reason why you're not getting at them <laughs> exactly <you know? laughs> yeah i mean in that situation you know uh uh fritz was was forcing her to think about that focus on those things and you know hopefully work on them um so it really does make sense yeah I mean, it's Got to be great for like self awareness and and, yeah. and everything. You directly get to see the mess instead of just step over it every morning, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely a lot of challenging and other types of therapy. This was this one is just so like it obviously can mo- only be done very well in person, right? So, um, it, it's just so. Why are you crossing your legs and like crossing your arms if you say you're comfortable? It's just very mm-hmm. like abrupt <laughs> um but yeah it, that in general i think challenging and therapy is very hard for the client um and uncomfortable but at the end of the day it is sometimes one of the most beneficial things and kind of why you hire a therapist because not everyone in your life is going to be able to do that um for the True. sake of the relationship yeah yeah neat no mm-hmm Move it on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also known as humanism, uh, humanistic therapy is a positive approach that focuses on a person's individual nature rather than categorizing groups of people with similar characteristics as having the same problems. Humanistic therapy looks at the whole person, not only from the therapist's view, but from the viewpoint of individuals observing their own behavior. The emphasis uh, is on a person's positive traits and behaviors and the ability to use their personal instincts to find wisdom, growth, healing, and fulfillment within themselves. It is a talk therapy that encompasses a gestalt approach, exploring how a person feels in the here and now rather than trying to identify past events that led to these feelings. Additionally, the humanistic therapist provides an atmosphere of support, empathy, and trust that allows the individual to share their feelings without fear or judgment. 
The therapist does not act as an authority figure. Rather, the relationship between client and therapist is one of equals. So this sounds like gestalt but nice, right? <laughs> yeah. This is real. This is a, an approach that really focuses on that therapeutic alliance. Um, yeah, I could see I, that. I had a therapist like this, and some people love this because it's kind of like a weekly check-in, and I'm going to belittle this. Um, so whatever, but I, I want my therapist to really work dig into my past with me. And so I don't love this type of therapy, um, for myself. I'll just speak for myself, um, mm-hmm. because I want to dig into my childhood and my past and everything. Whereas this is like, how are you doing? What's going on? What's your presenting problem? A lot of this is like almost solution-based, but it's also very positive regard, developing that relationship, developing trust and growing from that therapeutic trust um inside of that very specifically as opposed to really getting into the deep this is not something you would do if you had deep deep trauma or um if you had something that was eating you alive it's it's a lot less processing of the past unless the past is currently really focusing and being a problem in the moment Mm -hmm. it's really a lot of what's going on right now how do i help you um, a lot of therapists use this person-centered humanistic approach inside of their other approaches, but that in and of itself is pretty simplistic, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it could be, sounds like it could be quite irritating if you're trying to get <laughs> down to the, and then just like, yeah, anyway, but let's today. I know something from my past made this happen to me now. But no, how are you feeling today? But we're not talking about, no, <laughs> but we're not, no I don't think that's how it goes, but. <laughs> no, I, no. Jesus. Um, creative or expressive arts therapy combines psychology and the creative process to promote emotional growth and healing. It's a multi arts or intermodal approach to psychotherapy and counseling uses our inborn desire to create music, theater, poetry, dance, or really any other artistic form of expression as a therapeutic tool to help initiate change. The difference between expressive arts therapy and art therapy is that expressive draws from a variety of art forms, while art therapy tends to just be based on one particular art form. I think, is that kind of used a lot for children? I feel like that's yeah, I was going to ask Drew to talk about his experience. You, you mentioned that you did some sort of art therapy, right? Yeah, it was, you know, a lot of, like Grant even mentioned, um, like putting puzzles together, them giving you um, just random, not, you know, there's no puzzle to this. Here's just a random bunch of, like, some mm-hmm. cylindrical blocks, some uh, triangles, um, and here's a pad. Create mm-hmm. something on that. And, um, also drawing and, you know, kind of seeing like, I guess, trying to help me realize why I was drawing that kind of stuff or what I was drawing or what was going on. Because I mean, and I'll be candid, the, the only drawing that, and I don't remember this at all. My grandmother told me about this and they, they, they knew something Mm -hmm. was wrong when the counselor called them and said, yeah, he's drawn a couple pictures of him is like stick figure of him and a taller person holding hands and above it it was written bad drew oh shit mm. yeah oh my goodness so yeah. so i mean and that gave me chill bumps talking about mm. but um, shit, 
I got them gooseys over here myself. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's essentially what that's that's what I remember more than anything. Sometimes we would watch little videos of like animals and stuff, but the majority of it, or her just talking, she was a very sweet spoken old lady and she was real. (laughs) But sometimes she would just go into the like, sometimes she would be like, well, well, you know, why are you doing it? Like you were saying, like, why are you? Why are you crossing your legs like that right now? Like, why are you tapping on the desk? Right. Well, do you, do yeah. you know why? And my answer would always be no. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing this stuff because, mm-hmm. hell, I was five, six years old. And um, like I said, yeah, it was mostly just putting blocks together to see what she saw me make um, and kind of make an assessment from that, I guess. Yeah, I think that the example they use in school was, I'm going to butcher it, but it was essentially a kid drew a picture of like a family system. It was like everyone was outside or something. And then like the dad was not near the family. He was like somewhere mm-hmm. else in the picture. And it was like to say, like, you know, exhibiting that the, the child feels distant from the father, that there's like a disconnect or something. I don't know. I'm yeah. like I said, I'm butchering it, but that's the idea is kids are really, they don't think about how, their pictures or their art or their even what they say is going to affect or affect the way that other people view them a lot of the times like that part of our brain hasn't really developed and Mm -hmm. so kids are so it's it's so fascinating because kids are specifically are playing play therapy is a big thing where the storylines they create in their imagination or the the art they create and or the picture they create really is where their mind is at in that moment all the time. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a kid gets ex- obsessed with trains. They talk about trains all the time. If they go through a traumatic experience or there's something that's bugging them, it's going to come out in their play. And you, I mean, I've, I've experienced that even in just babysitting all the time growing up. Uh, kids will be obsessed with, you know, the, the mom or the dad or the, you know, the cool kid or whatever it is. Right. And you can Mm -hmm. tell that there's something going on in the family Mm -hmm. or in that child. And it's just, there's just so much more expressive and free with that. And so it's a very fascinating type of therapy, but that's honestly incredible that your grandparents or I don't know if you said your mother, your grandparents even saw that picture and thought therapy was an option, a good option for you because a lot of parents see that stuff and they're like, that's weird anyway. Well, no, that was, that was my therapist held off for a while on showing them that, or the, my counselor held off for a while on on that. And I'm pretty sure in therapy. uh, Yeah, no, that I drew that in therapy. Okay. Um, Actually I drew it. it the first time in my classroom with all the other kids around. Um, and my teacher walked by and saw the words bad drew mm-hmm. and a sad, a sad sunshine and me and this other person or whatever. And, um, yeah, but I mean, also, I mean, it makes sense with like, uh, the play therapy stuff. Like I didn't have that, but I could definitely see th- the PE instructor at my, um, elementary school obviously was the same person throughout the whole tenure of me being there. But, um, as soon as everything happened or whatever I was apparently just a super sweet kid and bubbly Mm -hmm. and outgoing and everything and this happened and little things like on the playground if I would see like a little boy like smack a girl on the butt or whatever I'd go and beat the shit out of him Mm. and um it was stuff like tut and up until literally I joined organic androids where we're all huggy touchy-feely people like it took even a couple years into that before like even my past girlfriends and stuff, if you walk up and touch me, I would jerk. And yeah. I, I just couldn't stand physical touch. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. Yeah. 
physical touch is the best. Yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's it's something you know. Obviously, you're going to deal with. I mean, I haven't I haven't gone to therapy about it. Like I said, it's I've I've talked more about this or more about it on on this podcast than I've talked to anybody in my entire life. So. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a great thing to be able to have like an outlet to be able to discuss this. And I mean, I think it's like one in four kids go through that at this point, which Mm -hmm. is horrifying, but it's such a normal, not normal. I'm sorry. Normal is not the right word. It is such a common thing, which is horrifying. And it's something that needs to be discussed. And obviously it's your story and it's not something it's your responsibility to discuss, but if you're in a place to discuss it, that's going to bring, whether it's with the therapist in confidence or on a platform like this or with friends, like it's going to, I've seen it bring so much healing when that person is ready to do that. Well, Um, to me, it feels like the reason why I kind of, you know, I brought it up that it happened and then I kind of expounded upon that because my, my thought about it is, it is so much more common than males like mm-hmm. to admit. Mm-hmm. And right. if if I could have just come out and said that one thing and somebody else sought help on their own time because of that, then I felt like I did myself mm-hmm. a justice in, in at least saying that it, you know, yeah, it, exactly. don't don't feel ashamed. It's not your fault, you know, kind right. of a deal. And, yeah. you know, that would, uh, something positive would come out of that. Right, yeah, of course. Terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. Know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also part of taking the control back, right? You were, had mm-hmm. no control going back to that thing. You had no control and being able to talk about it and be there for other people or be vulnerable or whatever, that is your control. And you, there's something in that ownership that brings some sort of a healing, um, even though it is devastating regardless. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was there's weird too, because to it, it, it just, my brain did what, a brain does and blocked it out completely, you know, like right after it sure. happened. And then when I was sure. like 18, 19 years old, I just woke up one day and it just all flooded back to me. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Very, oh. Crazy. Very similar situation in my life as well. My guy. Yeah. But yeah. Shit's rough. Yeah, it is. It is. Hence my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna skip one, but if you guys are following along, narrative therapy is a form of counseling that views people as separate from their problems. This allows clients to get some distance from the issue to see how it might actually be helping them or protecting them more than it is hurting them. With this new perspective, individuals feel more empowered to make changes in their thought patterns and behavior and, quote, rewrite their life story for a future that reflects who they are, what they're capable of, and what their purpose is, separate from their problems. Your therapist will encourage you to direct the conversation by asking what you prefer to talk about, and on an ongoing basis, checking to see if the topic, which is most likely a problem, is still something you're interested in discussing. After some time, your therapist will lead you to tell other more positive stories from your life to help you discover inherent traits and skills that can be used to address your problems. The goal is for you to see how there are positive and productive ways to approach your life and your future when you stop identifying yourself by your problems. 
In a narrative therapy, the events that occur over time in a person's life are viewed as stories, some of which stand out as more significant or more fateful than others. These significant stories, usually stemming from negative events, can ultimately shape one's identity. Beyond this identity, the narrative therapist views a client's life as multi-tiered and full of possibilities that are just waiting to be discovered. The therapist does not act as the expert, but rather helps clients see how they are the experts regarding their own life and as such can uncover the dreams, values, goals, and skills that <clears throat> define who they really are separate from their problems. These are the buried stories that can be rewritten and woven into the ongoing and future story of their lives. Any thoughts? No? Uh, no? Nobody? Uh, uh, cool. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, <clears throat> it doesn't, I don't know if that would work very well with me. Too much, too much and such. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, do, I do feel like the, uh, the whole childhood thing and reverting back to figure out what the hell's going on would probably be my, one of my uh, yeah. ways of helping out a lot better than that. Yeah, for I sure. don't think that rewriting something to me is going to make it go away. Or I mean, and I know that like it's not making it go away, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, transitioning it into something more positive or whatever. Right. But that to me is just sugarcoating bullshit. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> there's that I'm just saying, but I mean, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I haven't gone through that, so yeah, that exactly. that style therapy. So hey, I don't different really know, strokes, so. different folks. You know what I'm saying? Right. Whatever exactly. pops your clutch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea here is more like that you understand the story and you're able to reown it and understand because a lot of the times the issue is this is the story. And this is because a lot of whether you call it the story or your identity, it's kind of very ingrained in one another. So if this is something that you identify with or this is who you are, whether it's a good or a bad thing, being able to tell that and understand why you believe that and then understanding you can change that if, if you want to. It's your story. You own it. You know, um, and then a lot of the times we we put ourselves in situations because they fit into our story, not because they're good for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's. It's, oh, this fits in with, you know, my whatever. You know, I've always been mistreated. I'm going to be mistreated by this person. This fits in with my story. I'm going to do that, you know, or I'm going to be drawn to that. And it's about rewriting that, um, I think. But, yeah. Cool. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Jerry, do you feel like there's any that I may have missed that some people should know about or anything that you like to utilize in your uh, practice? Um, I mean, there's so many different uh, theories. I mean, the kind of the ones that you touched on um, are the main guys or some of them are the main guys, uh, but really digging into what specific theory is what it doesn't really, I mean, it matters for the therapist more than it matters from the client. I think that there are certain therapies that are really good for certain types of populations. Mm -hmm. um, and that's important. So CBT is very, very good for someone with addiction um, or someone who's struggling. I mean, most, most think CBT is great for everyone, but specifically because it's so tactile mm -hmm. and there's, there's so much behind the activities and there's things to do and it's busy. Um, and there's a lot of reframing 
inside of CBT, that's great for that population. And I say that because that's what I've worked with the most, but um, there's a lot of different types of therapy that, you know, if you're struggling, I, I guess my advice is if you're struggling with something or you have a diagnosis or whatever is going on, or there's something inside your story um, that you know has happened to you, or there's a certain type of trauma you've been through, really do your research and understand what type of therapy has been proven to work well with that, or listen to other people's stories on the internet or wherever in life um, and understand, oh, okay, this type of therapy really helped me. This didn't, um, this there's, there's so many different options out there, you know, um, especially for y'all, y'all are very musically oriented. So maybe, maybe look into music therapy or maybe look into art therapy because you're artistic, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, there's so much to explore. Um, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but I think that really learning and understanding yourself at the degree that you're at when you're interested in therapy, you're going to know whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, some sort of trauma, a breakup, parent problems, family stuff, whatever. There are so many resources to really dig into what, what is going to be best for you in that moment. Um, and at the end of the day, most therapists use about 10 different theories in their practice. Um, but really understanding that that's going to be incorporated might help you feel a little bit more in control and feel like you're doing what's best for yourself and investing in that, in that process. So I guess that's really kind of my only advice. Yeah, no, I think that's a, um, excellent, uh, approach for, for someone to take, you know, and personally, I just find learning to be fun. So I wanted to go, you know, dive into some of these different theories and then, you know, yeah. if there is someone like me out there that'd be like, okay, well I can kind of wrap my head around that one or that sounds intriguing to me. Maybe that, you know, is a nice little starting point for anybody, but I honestly can't say enough. I, I, I think it's like going to the dentist to get your teeth cleaned. You know what I mean? Like for your brain. Yeah. It's good to get your <laughs> brain cleaned. So. Yeah, yeah. Get your yeah. brain cleaned. Yeah. But yeah. not within the lobotomy though. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> not don't wiped out. Don't wipe it clean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Just a little fine tooth comb, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, went too far. Not <laughs> an, uh, ice pick. Yeah. <laughs> What's the famous oh, one? Uh, the Kennedy girl. Isn't she the famous one? <laughs> yep. Rose Kennedy. Or yeah. Whatever. JFK's sister. Yeah. Yeah. Man, dark stories. Mm -hmm. what a dark that history. whole family, man, they went through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They dark, sure did. Talk about a family that needs yeah, therapy, did. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Man. Talk about therapy. The Kennedys need some therapy. Yeah. The ones that are left. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's like the closest to a royal family that America's ever had, actually. Yeah. yeah they they went, went through it all. Them in the bushes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. We, all right. Let's get <laughs> out of there. Let's get out of there. Let's get out of there. Fuck that. Uh, <laughs> Oh, well, um, yeah, therapy, guys, um, it's a good thing to do. It's not taboo. It's something that we all need. And me being a bartender, I get to do that for other people all the time now. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> I just deal with a different type of medicine. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like uh, like uh, my boy Vic said, we're legal drug dealers with uh, minors in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That is accurate. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Um, Jerry, thank you for coming on and uh, giving your insight and, uh, you know, uh, getting these hot facts, some more beef behind them and for all sure. that good stuff. Um, 
Thanks for having me. That was that was fun. I haven't talked about these these topics in a hot minute. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm back in school. I, I got an education <laughs> for a reason. My all of my student debt is making sense all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we could solidify that for you. <laughs> <laughs> up. Do you have um, any uh, ats or whatever for people to find you and uh, reach out to you if needed? Uh sure. Um like I said, my name is Jerry Wheeler. Uh, my Instagram is Mindful Meetups Co. Co. Um, at the end of that, and I am accepting new clients. I mean, you know, I don't know how often people listen to this podcast. So if you listen to this in like two months, I might not be, but if I, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I have a I have mindfulmeetups.info is my website. Mindfulmeetups.info. Great. We'll put that so. as a little little uh, tag or uh, link in the, in the show things. notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's what I call the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We gotta start talking like actual podcasts. Awesome. <laughs> Check the show notes for the link. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. Yeah, no yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that was. And the whole... I, I really appreciate. Thank you, thank you all for opening up and being vulnerable. That's this isn't an easy conversation to have. So, and you're promoting something not only that you know I work in but that I very much believe in that has changed my life so I think it's not an easy conversation to have and more of these conversations happen the better our world is and the more healthy people are I think yeah. so I really appreciate it so thank you of course sure. thank for you sure, for sure um yeah so this whole episode was to promote her company, by the way. Anyway. Yeah, I actually paid y'all to do this. <laughs> this is a paid promotion, though, right? That'd be our first one. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, well, um, I'm Justin Hammonds, and I'm saying love, live life, because it's worth living, y'all. And I'm Drew Shelnut, and I'm saying stay informed and make a difference. Yeah. Grant Bramlett, never liked you, always loved you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, yeah, this was episode 22, All About Therapy, with the wonderful guest Jerry Wheeler from ATL. And uh, this is a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction. And we out. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next installment. Find us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things Friends, Facts, and Fiction. Our Instagram handle is Friends underscore Facts underscore Fiction. As always, please reach out to us. You can send any of your questions, praise, and fact-checking to friends.factsfiction at gmail.com. It's important to us to only propagate the truth, and we'll correct any errors we may have made. Your hosts and researchers are Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shelnut. Our episodes are produced by Grant Bramlett. Additional producership provided by Grace Higgs. Our recording engineer is Grant Bramlett. Our editor, mix, and mastering audio engineer is Jeremy Mulder. Lighting design is provided by Justin Hammonds. Our office assistants are Gully and Bull. Our research assistants are Under and Paid. Our current interns are Lost and Questionable. Our personal drivers are Idlist and Tired. And our resident pooches are Pack and Jolene. The Devil Child. This has been a production of Friends, Facts, and Fiction.
How funny it would be if we just hung up on you, Jerry. <laughs> just right, yeah, right, right after we out. Leave. And we out. Click, peace. <laughs> <laughs>